Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Over and by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Body, Spirit, You on Blog Talk Radio. This show is a collaboration between five women and spirit or universe, all brought to you by www.mindbodyspiritu.com. That's the letter U. There are weekly shows on Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, two Wednesdays a month at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time and two Fridays at 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time covering topics about all things healing, spiritual, metaphysical and we even throw in a bit of science. Many of our shows include time for you to ask for assistance on your journey and you will be able to experience some amazing healing modalities and receive guidance, authentic spiritual guidance, right here, right now. Many are aware of the quickly changing perspectives about our mind, bodies, and spirits, and that's exactly what we are here to discuss. So please join us in the spiral of life, and together we will learn, grow, and heal. Now let's get started with today's show. Hi everyone, this is Aleka Thorvalson. I'm a certified holistic life strategies coach and welcome to the show. Um, this show used to be called Food, um, Food Feelings and um, Finding Freedom and now it's got a new name, so I'm very excited about the name change, um, and we'll spend a few minutes telling you why um, we changed the name. But this show now is called the Holistic Health Hour, and the reason why I changed the name was I wanted to have a title that better described the show's scope of topics, and this show is really all about health from a holistic or whole being perspective W-H-O-L-E. So what that means is we'll be bridging the gap between science, our minds, our bodies, and even our spirits to find a more holistic or whole system and a whole way of finding health from the inside out. Um, So along these same lines, if you have a show idea or you want to be a guest on our show, if you have something to share along the lines of health, wellness, vitality, from this sort of whole person perspective, please um, get in touch with us. And you can reach me um, at Mind, Body, Spirit, You 
Um, that's the letter U. And we'd love to hear from you. Um, this show tonight is going to be live every third uh, Monday of the month. And if it's January 17th where you are, if you're listening, at 7 p.m. Eastern. Um, actually, January 21st at 7 p.m. Eastern. That's funny. I was looking at the wrong date. Feel free to call in with your questions, comments, stories, etc. We'd love, love, love to hear from you and join the conversation. And I want to welcome my colleague tonight. She's with me as usual, um, just to add some um, depth of the discussion, um, specifically to this topic. So welcome, Tracy. Hi, Alika. Hi. Is there anything that you, any announcements from Mind, Body, Spirit, you that you need to, you think, announce this evening? Mm. Not that I can think of. Just remind everybody to please also look for us on Facebook because that's a fun way to interact. And so um, if you're a Facebook user, you can just search for Mind, Body, Spirit, You there and um, say hello. And you can also talk to us there about show ideas for this show and any of our other shows that we have. That's a great point. And we should remind you that the call-in tonight, I told you you could call in and I didn't give you the number. That's not going to help. But the guest (laughs) call-in number is 646-595-2385. And you're welcome to call in. Tracy will be screening the calls tonight. Um, You can also find us on the chat room, right, Tracy? Yep, I'll be there. You'll be there, and you will be answering questions via that way. So there's plenty of opportunity to join in the discussion. And... Um, this show tonight, I just want to roll right through to it because it's so interesting to me. I'm passionate about it, and I know Tracy is as well. Um, and I know many of you are because I get this, these questions so much about kids and food and how do we foster really loving, healthy relationships with our kids around food because we ourselves may not have very great relationships with that. Um, and so tonight's show is all about that, how to help our children um, foster a healthy relationship with food. Um, and many of our own issues, which if we have food stuff going on, um, and many of our own issues, whether it be food or otherwise, actually, likely have roots in our childhood, right? Because this is where our programming and conditioning happens. Um, and I would say that, you know, we're not, I think we're getting it on many, many levels and certain um, certain things that we're really understanding about the conditioning and programming that we're getting as children and how we can really undo that as we, we grow. Food is one of those things, though, that it seems to be still a confusing topic on exactly what is more helpful than not. Um, and it's really important that we look at it for ourselves specifically, but for our kids because children really do learn what they experience and what they see. So, um, how do we help foster loving relationship or loving relationship with our children and food? How do we do this? How do we help them um, to create this more loving food habits and and ways of being? Um, so, in this show, we're going to tackle that, and we're also going to look at the stuff that doesn't work um, because I think that's really important to know. Well, what not to do just as important as to know what to do. 
Um, and so I hope this to be a really empowering show to give you a new perspective, maybe on your own food issues as well, or how you were raised um, with it, and what you might bring forward, and how y- you know you might need to shift some of your thinking or behavior so you can really help your kids grow up in an empowered way. Um, again, feel free to talk to us. You know, call us, write us in the chat room, um, share your opinions on this one because I think it's going to be a you know, it might be a controversial topic. Just a lot of people have a lot of different opinions. Um, and I know that Tracy is is great to have tonight. She's always great to have, but specifically tonight because she has a real passion for helping transform whole family systems and working with children. So I'm doubly excited to have you with us, Tracy. She must be off in the chat room. Um, so first off, I want to say that and she'll join us in a sec. But I want to say that as we start the show um, tonight, that I'm a parent myself. Um, I have three boys, um, ages 11, 8, and 3. So I'm in the trenches with you. I'm doing this stuff myself. Um, And I will absolutely validate the fact that children teach us in ways and ask us to grow like nothing else can, at least that's been my experience. Um, And I also want to share that a large portion of my professional practice has been children and adolescents, as well as adults and families and couples. Um, I absolutely love working with family systems. I love working with kids specifically. Um, And I have a lot of insight because I, um, since I work with children, I know a lot about or I have experience or I've heard kind of their take on some of this stuff and their perspective, which has really been insightful for me. Um, and I can say that, what, and I, I've also done a lot of work in schools where I've gone into schools and done speeches or talked to classes, so I've really gotten some feedback from all ages, you know, starting at maybe, I guess, seven or eight years old and all the way up into high school, through middle school up into high school. Um, so it's really interesting when you start hearing what, these kids, what they're saying about their bodies and about their weight and about how they feel. And I just want to give you a few statistics just because I think it's pretty fascinating to kind of give us a a guideline about where are we with this food stuff? Where are our kids, right? Where are they on the spectrum? Um, and just a few pretty powerful statistics that are real recent. I got the, the newest ones here that I could find. Um, and a recent study shows that almost half of three to six year old girls that's three to six worry about their weight. It's probably not surprising, considering just the the conditioning we get from our culture, but it's it's kind of frightening to me. Um, another the same poll um, researched fifteen hundred children between the ages seven and eighteen. Um, this poll was carried out by one poll um, and young poll, and they revealed that Almost one quarter of children under 10 consider themselves overweight. 26% of the children um, skipped meals in the hope of losing weight. 40% of children under 10 admitted that they worried about their weight, while a quarter of them had already been on a diet in the last year. That's that's a pretty startling statistic when that's 40% um, were worried about their weight. We're talking about almost half. So more than 90% of girls age 15 to 17 years of age want to change at least one aspect of their physical appearance with body weight ranking the highest. That's 90%. 80% of children who are 10 years old are afraid 
of feeling, or I'm sorry, afraid of being fat. Um, Up to 12% of teen boys are using unproven supplements and or steroids. And this is this is this is startling. I have to add to this. That number keeps getting bigger. Um, when I was doing this work with eating disorders, when I started this work, probably how many years now? Maybe um, fifteen years ago. We didn't really talk about boys that much. Um, now it's the statistics are really startling to see how quickly. And I think um, the la- the latest thing that I read in one of the journals was that. Um, Eating disorders in the adolescent male population is the fastest growing population. Um, so we're really affecting um, our young boys, although they tend to suffer more with like body dysmorphic, where they're trying to gain weight and be sort of this muscular type. Um, but because, so there's that, and then there's also that um, sort of a trend to have sort of um, a thinner build. And that for men or for boys, and that's really showing up as well. Uh, But on to more statistics. A quarter of the girls aged 15 to 17 would consider undergoing plastic surgery and mainly for weight issues. Um, 80% of 10-year-olds have dieted. That's a pretty startling statistic. I found that at another source. Um, 90% of high school junior and senior women diet regularly. And this one gets me all the time whenever I read this one, but young girls are more afraid of becoming fat than they are of nuclear war, cancer, or losing their parents. And I found this statistic also kind of telling as well, this next one. The top wish among all girls is for their parents to communicate better with them, which includes more frequent and open conversations as well as discussions about what's happening in their lives. Um The last statistic we'll go with is 90 million teens in America below 15 years of age are obese, and that's three times more than in 1980. So we have a problem. And looking at statistics, because I've done this, um, I did, I look at these quite often just to see what the trends are, and it's not getting better. Um, And I think that in this show tonight, we can tackle some of those reasons why. Um, If you've listened to past shows, you know that this, you know, I never come from this any issue from a one-sided solution. So we're not going to focus on diet. We're not going to focus on weight. We're not going to focus on what we need to do to fix them in, from that perspective. We're going to have to look at the whole system. We're going to have to look at the body, mind, and sort of spirit side to create a whole solution. So we're probably going to be talking less about food and more about the beliefs and conditioning um, of young people in general. Um, and what do I mean by that? I mean that we adults have we're pretty need to be pretty accountable for our role in our children's lives, and that means that we literally have the ability to create our children's belief systems. I mean, we have to be conscious and aware of what we say to our children and what we say about ourselves and what we say about others when they're listening because really what we say, it becomes their inner voice. And I can't remember who said that, but I've seen it attributed to a few different people, but that is so powerful to me, that what we say becomes their inner voice. So eating behavior, body image, the way our children perceive themselves and the environment is a learned behavior. It's a learned perception. And so 
let's just open up discussion a bit and say, let me ask you, what were you conditioned to believe about your body and about eating and about food and about what that meant, right? If you And if you want to join us, please join in, but... Um, I'm not going to put you on the spot, Tracy, per se, but you can add to it. I can speak from my own experience that um, I grew up in a pretty body-conscious family um, where weight was absolutely important. Um, I was very sensitive to to society conditioning, that kind of stuff as well, which validated that. Um, We all get that. Dieting was something that I witnessed. Right, I was encouraged to do it. It was in every magazine. I witnessed people in my family doing it. Um, I was advised to do it. I was put on diets when I was young, and I wouldn't consider myself um, have considered myself quote unquote needing to be on one, even though I would think that no child needs to be on one. But I absolutely began a mindset where my body became something that I needed to control or I needed to fix. Um, it was symbolic in some way of my worthiness. You know, it was tied. It was a, it was a, an extension of my worthiness. My body became focused for me. And food then became something that I felt, quote, unquote, out of control with, that I had to fix, I had to control, I had to figure out. Um, and I definitely would recognize that I lost touch with my inner guidance system. Um, and so I think that that was my experience. I'm wondering, Tracy, do you have anything to add to that or want to share Sure, yeah. you could feel about that? Sure, you can hear me, right? I can, sorry. Did you oh, said okay, you I know it was me. <laughs> I pushed the wrong button on my phone earlier. But, um, yeah, well, it's very interesting because it sort of, for me, how it played out was um, that idea of what we think we become kind of deal. Mm. <laughs> Because I was totally slender, you know, even probably, you know, definitely on the side of, like, thin or mm-hmm. whatever, <laughs> too thin almost. And I still was was sort of ridiculed within my family, um, mm. called thunder thighs, et cetera, et cetera. Oh, so I had that one, too. So I started and being, yeah. I'd, I'd get pinched, like, on the side of my body oh. and that kind of thing. And... Uh-huh. Um, my mom and I, and I just started to believe it. And yeah. and I can't remember being put on a diet, but I think it was sort of, do you want to join me? Like, put out mm, there like that. Yeah, and, that's a good one. And I did. And, I mean, I was like 15 years old, and there was no reason for it, none. Um, and then just as time progressed, it was sort of like, I think I kind of, without consciously knowing it, but mm. I think I just let go you know how it seems like healthy healthy women um, that are naturally thin and stay naturally thin? I just think that, you know, if they start to gain five pounds, they go, oh, hmm, maybe I'll go take a walk. Or I'm not, you know what I mean. They do something mm-hmm. just slight to change and then it goes back to normal. I think I might have gotten to a place where I just said, you know what, well, I guess I'm, I guess I'm, I'm big. That's who I am. Mm, and I, so, yeah. I just sort of let go of worrying about it in a way. I hear that. Sure. And then over time, it just sort of adds up and adds up and adds up. So, But anyway, yeah, it was it was not good. So you got those <laughs> messages, too. And I, I want to point out, too, I mean, I don't think 
I would think in 99.9% of the time, or at least I hope, I don't think that any parent that puts their child on a diet is trying to harm them. I mean, I think that in that culture, we we do what we know to some extent. And we figure, well, if our kid comes to us and says, hey, I'm feeling like, um, you know, am I too fat or all this stuff, or maybe if they perceive as parents that, oh, no, you know, our children are, are you know, gaining weight or whatever that is, then they well-meaningly put them on diets. You know. you know what I mean? I think that we get this this conditioning not necessarily from a place of trying to do harm, but really trying to help. And that's why I think that some of the why this show is important because I think that we need to talk about things that are disguised as solutions that actually are part of the problem. And I will absolutely say we'll we'll talk about some tips toward the end of the show, but dieting is absolutely one of them. I mean, in every um, one of the statistics that I use a lot when I'm talking to um, when I'm talking to people about eating disorders and just education is saying the number one precursor for an eating disorder is a diet. Mm-hmm. So we could get rid of a lot of eating disorders if we just did not support dieting. Plus, they don't work. And listen to my other shows to talk about that. But right. Um, so thank you for that. And if anyone else wants to share their story, feel free to call in six four six five nine five two three eight five. What we were talking about is this, our conditioning does create the way we look at our bodies um, and how we we are in our bodies and how we express those to the world. Um, and so to really help our young people to be able to grow up as healthy and whole, we need to be very aware of what we're teaching them to believe about the world and, more importantly, what they believe about themselves. Um, we're going to have to assess and even possibly change our own, and now I'm talking from a parental perspective, our own belief systems, because we don't need to pass them on if they're not working. Um, And I certainly am not saying this to blame or to point fingers at parents. I know I'm in there with you guys. It's just tough. Um, I'm personally challenged by this parenting stuff daily, um, and I've worked really hard on being gentle about the way that I parent by being gentle with the way that I treat myself. Um, So it's always going to come back to that. But because we're talking about our relationship with our kids, we're, I mean, we can take that a step further and I can say, okay, that's it, end of the show, you know, just fix yourself and you're good. <laughs> but uh, essentially, we need to bring in the other, the other side of this, which is, well, maybe we're not perfect and we're working, we're works in progress. How do we do this at the same time? So the first thing I would say um, is to be gentle with yourself. Some of the stuff that we talk about tonight might be tough to hear, Um it, but parenting is that. Parenting is asking us to look at our, our, our deepest stuff um, and work on it, right? Um, I, I want to just bring a little history here because I think sometimes that's helpful to look at the, the patterns of the conditioning that we've gotten over time and where we're needing to go further. Um, because not very long ago, the philosophy of child raising or parenting was based on the this this is right, this is wrong, right, black or white type of thinking. Um, modern civilization, both in both Eastern and Western areas, are really no more than a generation or two from the belief that children were property. That means that the idea that children even have rights is relatively new. It's only a few generations old. Um, and Alice Miller, who's one of my favorite authors, and she wrote drama, um, Drama of a Gifted Child, shared in that book how 19th century German philosophers really laid the groundwork 
for modern child psychology, and they emphasize the importance and the need to quite literally stamp out a child's exuberance, is how they put it, for proper training. Um, this would be akin to breaking a horse's spirit, right? And it was the way that parenting was seen not very long ago. So the basis of um, that was the basis for beliefs and conditioning that sort of created the spare the rod and spoil the child concept, right, that children should be seen and not heard. It was only in very recent history that we have evolved to the point where we define that kind of parenting as child abuse, right? And even still, it's <laughs> we see it out there, you know. So we're getting better. That's really good news. But I want to point that out because this gives us some perspective of the origins of where some of this conditioning and patterning comes from when we parent so we can better understand where many of, you know, many of our habits and our habitual conditioning comes from and exactly where we need to focus on change. So um, I'm, I want to start with the first sort of unconditioned, or I'm sorry, unquestioned conditional belief that I see in in a lot of um, young people today. Um, and that one is head first, feelings second. I think that is, um, we are a head-based culture. So what I mean by that is our conditioning is such that intellect often overrides our feelings, right? We're taught to value logic, typically over intuition, um, and I want to add that one of the most common things I have seen with eating disorders um, when I'm working with people is a disconnect from feelings. Um, and I can certainly attest to that when I was going through my own um, eating issues. There's a lack of awareness of and a lack of trust of what feelings even are. We don't know what to do with them. We don't know how to have them. We don't, allow, we don't understand what the use is. Um, one of the things I ask my clients usually the first time I meet them is what do you think the purpose of a feeling is? Why do we have them, right? And they look at me, um, they, look at, they look at me as if I'm like crazy, you know, like, well, I've never thought of it that way. And the reason is they have likely never considered it. So we are not really conditioned in our culture to embrace or to feel or to even utilize our feelings. Um, but to filter, ignore maybe, uh, maybe stuff, that's a good food word, or dismiss them. So think about your conditioning, right? And what feelings were deemed, quote, unquote, okay, and which ones were not. Sometimes it's gender-related, right? We know that men are allowed anger, and women um, typically are not. That, that, that's kind of one we get. That certainly doesn't mean that women don't get angry. They just learn to turn it inward rather than express it. And that doesn't mean that men don't get sad or get fearful. It just means that they suppress it or express the emotion in another way, like anger, right, because it's safe. Um, it's safe, but it may not be authentic. And there lies that disconnect that I'm talking about. We can't utilize an emotion if we are unaware um, of the emotion that we're actually feeling. 
So I want to point that out because one of the best ways that we can help our children is to help them feel. Um, And one correlation I see in eating disorders quite often, and anyone with, with this particular issue, is that these clients seem to be especially sensitive and intuitive. They might be the only ones in the family even. They might be the ones in the family like the sensors, right? They're, they're just feel into situations and they ask questions. They'll, they'll be the ones to say, Mom, what's the matter? Why are you sad, right? Why are you angry with Daddy? Um, and, and that kind of thing. And they ask about maybe world events. You know, they're worried about stuff. They're more worried maybe than other kids their age. Um, And they're often told from well-meaning parents, right, trying to keep them from feeling upset, like, oh, don't worry about it. It's a, um, it's, it's our problem. It's not something you have to worry about. I'm not upset. I hear that one too. I mean, they'll, we as parents will say, no, I'm fine. Mm-hmm. Don't worry about it, right? It's it's not your business. I'm not sad. Daddy's not mad. It's okay. But these are really confusing messages um, because they feel something. They know that something's wrong, right? Their inner guidance system is saying something's up. Um, and then their parents, who from an early age, of course, we really idolize, tell them, no, you're wrong, and so therein starts the pattern of invalidating their feelings with logic. And, and again, parents don't mean to necessarily do it. They're just trying to, you know, keep their kids perhaps from feeling something or getting them involved. I mean, truthfully, we don't need to involve our children in our, in our issues as adults, but we certainly can validate their feelings. Yes, I'm angry, right? Yes, I am sad. We don't necessarily have to bring them in and tell them why that's happening, but we can certainly validate that, yeah, I'm having a bad day. Um, I will also add that if there's abuse or trauma in, in, in a child's life or violence, then this cycle of turning off feelings is, is more intensified. Um, then we'll have, we, I've seen and experienced a real disconnect with our feelings and what we're willing to accept as a human being. So at this point, you know, if there's abuse or trauma, it, it starts to get really confusing because we start to numb. Um, and I would say that we as a culture are conditioned to numb, right? We turn, we turn down the volume of our feelings. We're, we're sort of conditioned to not feel or not be vulnerable. It's not something that we're really taught to do. Um, And I want to point out that hunger um, is a feeling, and as such, we cannot numb selectively. So if we're numbing, we're numbing. We are taught, you know, in this way, we're taught from, we we are taught to eat with our heads, not with our bodies, right? Because if we've lost touch with our hunger cues, our inner guidance system, then we eat from our head. And um, that is never going to work. If we're really trying to find balance in our bodies, we it's, it's not going to work because our head can't tell us what our inner guidance wisdom or inner guidance system can. And if we are disconnected from our inner guidance system, if you've listened to any of past shows, we know that we actually will never get um, a feeling of even satiation, which is another feeling, 
right? So if we're not cued into our feelings, we won't get these hunger signals that tell us when to eat and what to eat and how to eat, and that's really based on what our body requires. So we can often grow up, you know, into emergent adult adulthood confused about food. So what my number one tip for helping kids, um, I see that we might have a question. Let me make this point, and then we'll go on and get a question. So my number one tip for helping our young people um, and to help ourselves is to have them validate their feelings. Allow them to have feelings, teach them how to use their feelings, work on ourselves with our feelings, be honest with our own feelings, um, and share that. Validate for them that they can have feelings and it's okay. Tracy, did you have something to add? I did. I did. Awesome. Um but I don't want to get us sidetracked, okay? Okay. So if I start to get a sidetracked, just bring me back around and say, okay, I'm going to make a note, we'll come back to that or whatever. But I'm thinking a lot about the idea of all the way back to baby, all the way back yeah. to natural feeding schedules mm-hmm. in, in comparison to being you know, putting a baby on a schedule, meaning, um, what do we call that? It's been so long since I've nursed or anything. <laughs> oh, feeding on demand. <laughs> and there you um, go. Right? That's the word, right? Or um, or not, you know, saying uh-huh. I'm going to feed every four hours. So I often, it's sort of that chicken or the egg thing, right? And we talk a lot about how eating is a form of, um, n- nourishment and nurturing combined mm-hmm. because of that starting place. Absolutely, it really is. Mm-hmm. Being at the breast or the bottle, depending, either one, mm-hmm. but with your mother, you know, and feeling good because you're being held and that whole thing. Yeah. So um, how much are we a little bit set up to put that, once we grow up, right, to put yep. that feeling of of food is a nurturing thing instead of yep. just a nourishing thing, even though both is okay, which we it talk is. we talk some yeah. about in our holiday show, so if people <laughs> want to listen to that one about the idea of um you know is it a, is, are we not supposed to be baking cookies? <laughs> are we not supposed right? to have food yeah. as part of the holiday you know yeah. but yeah, I totally so understand. It's a great what do you question. think about the baby thing? Yeah, it's a great question. <laughs> when I get asked quite a bit, actually, because people will say, well, if I'm not supposed to correlate, you know, food with feeling better, then what is this thing that I'm implanted with from birth, right, mm-hmm. where food makes you feel better, food is nurturing. And that's true. In, in some ways, it is. And food has a capacity to give us pleasure. It should. We should enjoy it. Mm-hmm. But there, there, it's a tipping point. You know, just like with anything, when love is love, it's it's not based on need, it's based on want. Mm-hmm. It's based on this balance and ebb and flow and, and this balance, right? When love takes on characteristics that are less like love and more like obsession or more like, um, oh gosh, how do you even say that? It feels just thicker, more attached, right? Then it takes on more of a need, characteristic Mm -hmm. if we're asking food to give us love it can't do that if we're asking anything to give us a sense of filling up that piece of us that feels empty in some way 
that's emotional. It can't do that. We can't solve an emotional problem with food. Can food be fun? Can it bring us enjoyment? Much like anything that we can do, absolutely yes. Okay. Absolutely yes. I, and I would often ask this because I think that with nursing, you know, and, and being just close to our mothers, we associate food with that feeling of comfort, right? But as we grow up and sort of individuate, especially, you know, around age two-ish, that kind of thing, we start to sort of separate food and nurturing in a way that's very natural. And, and then, children are allowed to individuate. Right. And so in speaking of um, helping parents, um, whether they're in that phase, right, the early phase, but it also then continues on, um, how can we most help parents understand that individuating process and how can we um, teach our children the the aspects of knowing their body, you know, not, mm-hmm. so would it mean that, I'm asking these questions, I know what Go I ahead. think, but I'm asking yeah. them in question form so that for, for the sake here, but I know what I believe, but so um, the two-year-old wants, you know, whatever, Breakfast. Okay, breakfast is done. Then an hour later, the two-year-old wants waffles. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, and then I do. Two, I have. And a then one hour later, yeah. yeah. It's crazy. I, to me, I would give the food. I would. Okay, but also what? Also, should we be talking about? Do you feel hungry, or are you bored? I mean, should we talk about that stuff that early? Well, I, I can tell you my my perception of that, and it, it actually goes along with a question that I see in the chat room here. Mm-hmm. You know, because we have to understand something about children. First off, there are, and about all people, but specifically children, because that's what we're talking about. Their stomachs are the size of their fist. Right. Our stomachs are the size of our fists. So if you close your fist, that's the size of your stomach when it's like healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you look at a two-year-old's tummy, their fist, it's tiny. Right. Right? So absolutely, they're probably going to eat a very small quantity of food at a time and feel satiated. Right. They're going to, they're not used to this whole concept that we have where we tend to sort of overfill or we fill up. So our stomachs are meant to fill up, but then they need to stretch, right, a little bit. So we're satiated for the next meal. Children aren't meant to eat that way. In fact, we're not meant to eat that way. We're meant to eat every couple hours mm-hmm. um, as humans. That's just the way we're, we're sort of as, you know, our, our biology does best. Um, however, you know, with children especially, what I often do is, especially at that age, it's a great time to start asking your kids, um, are you hungry? What are you hungry for? What does your body want? What would give you energy today? Mm-hmm. What do you feel like? And then often because that age, two or three-year-old, is so much about being empowered, and often food is can be an empowering thing, much like learning how to potty train or learning how to walk when they're a bit younger, is empowering, and it needs to be under their control. I often have a, a spot in my refrigerator or in my pantry where it's like their snack spot mm-hmm. where there's plates, little tiny plates, you know, little things that they can put their hands on and go and help themselves to something. They can set the table themselves. They can sit down. They can have a snack, whatever, you know, foods that you they like or what you guys decide on. But it, it's so empowering for them to go in, get their own food, and feed themselves. 
You know, I mean, I think that now this. I also want to add to another um, question in the chat room. I don't necessarily think that this means we eat with no boundaries. Much like I don't think we should have do anything without certain rules, as far as codes of conduct that are appropriate. You know, it's not appropriate um, to necessarily um, take you know something maybe you're eating chocolate pudding and like smear it all over the floor every night. Um, at some age that's appropriate. At some ages, that becomes like, hey, if you do that, you're going to have to clean it up, and that's not very much fun. You know what I mean? So it's, it is about having certain boundaries, and when we're eating, hey, let's, it's not, let's stay focused, depending on the age of the child, what they're capable of doing. Let's try to stay focused and eat, but the, um, it's most, most, depending, again, on ages, two-year-olds are very distractible, and they tend to sort of like to do things standing up and they like to do things in motion and they don't have a lot of capacity to maybe sit down and eat for very long. And part of that is their their natural development. Part of it is their tummies are quite literally they should be hungry every hour and a half, if not every two hours. That's that's their normal um biology. I wanted to um you hear me breathing over here. I wanted <laughs> for everyone's sake, um Alec and I and um, a few people are in the chat room, but if you're not and you're listening on archive, right, I want to sort of state what the question was. This mm. m- this mother typed in about um, feeling as though she may be doing, you know, quote-unquote, some sort of harm by rushing their child, children, if they need to get out the door to go do something. And that's what we're sort of we're talking mm-hmm. about. And... Um, the idea of like you know saying okay we got to get going go ahead and and finish up now she didn't say this but I'm wondering also how many mothers how many of us and I'll just do it that way to be inclusive would require a child to finish correct especially if you're I would just bring it with you that's what I mean to be I honest I'm going to just bring it with I'd, you I'd yeah I'd grab a a ziplock and be like Put here yeah and then later if they were hungry at the park or if we were at the doctor's office or anywhere, really. I mean, I, you know, that's, again, that's about conditioning, thinking what, that's not okay? <laughs> yeah, I mean, obviously, like, there's certain places that they shouldn't eat, maybe at a library, like, let's go outside right. and sit on the grass, you know right. what I mean? Like, right. there's certain things that are important that we need to honor other people's boundaries and our own sense of what's appropriate, what's not. But children, we are meant to actually eat slowly, I mean, we are as humans. Right. The, right. the people like in in Europe that take an hour to eat, we tend to rush through things just as a culture in general. So children have something on us when they just like sit and eat and chill out and chew and sort of like do their thing. It, that's lovely. Now I'm realistic. I understand that. I mean, that doesn't always work that way. You know, we have to get places on time. We we have. So if you can maybe make toast and bring it with you. I mean, I've even gone so far as to bring toothpaste to make sure they brush their teeth afterwards in the car, you know, or xylitol gum, like chew some gum. You just ate that. Okay. You know, um, so it's – I think we can get really creative as far as how we allow our children to um, help us help them. Does that answer the question? I think so. Okay. person uh, in the chat room if you want to if it if you have other questions type them in type them in or if you have anything to add to that i mean it's this is this is not a um 
like I certainly don't have a monopoly on how you should run it. I can just share what I know from, um, you know, all the work that I've done with children about, and we haven't even gotten to them, you know, the tips. We're still in that, the conditioning part. But absolutely allowing our children to have as much of their um, empowering them to make choices about what they want to eat, how much they want to eat, is super important yeah. um, for them. Yeah. And it's and sometimes, you know, like all things with kids, they try stuff out. If, if it works, it doesn't work. I mean, they get to decide. Like if my I, – I remember, you know, I don't want to wear a coat. I don't want to wear a coat. I'm like, it's cold. I don't want to wear a coat. Okay. I mean, I brought the coat with me, and then he gets outside, and he's like, I need my coat. You know? Exactly. Yeah. So it, part of it is is just sort of like the natural consequences of them figuring out what their body wants. Right. And that's the thing is that um, – these nothing's cut and dry, meaning this Nothing. this idea of of um worrying that you're you know, you've given yourself plenty of time, you've put the food out a half hour ahead, whatever, exactly. right? Before you need to leave. And let's say it's, it's just not um, happening. Yeah, let's say it's spaghetti and you can't figure out a way to take it with you. That's cool. That's fine. Do you have something, an apple you could throw in your purse? Yep. Or yep. explaining it. It's all so much about communication. I'm concerned that if you don't eat now because you're running around playing, <laughs> I can't bring this with us. It's too messy, right? And I'm concerned you're going to be hungry, you know, and maybe you don't even have an apple. You know, some days I'm like, oh, my God, i got to get to the grocery store. We you know? always have peanut yeah. butter and bread. I mean, that's our mainstay in our house. I mean, truthfully, we don't make – it's like, okay, there's peanut butter and there's bread. We're good, you know. Uh, but I'm with you on that. It's It's about really just – Trying within reason, trying to. Of course, we might have to set limits, like we do with everything, you know. But that—that's where where we're going. Um, go on, and I could yeah. go ahead. I just want to say, going with the flow of your day. Exactly. And um, I mean, that's a parenting kind of. You know, and it's thing. a great right, and it's a great uh, flexibility, right? Being flexible with our children, being flexible with some days. Mommy does make a whole, you know, a peanut butter sandwich and we jump in the car. Some days, oh, I'm sorry, I don't have time and I'm totally, you know, I'm totally freaking out because I'm so overwhelmed. That's and what the way I am. I mean, yeah, I just tell them the truth. I can't. Absolutely, I was going to point out with that every child is going to have their own rhythm of eating cycles. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is really true that we all have, there's no perfect way to eat for everybody, but there is a perfect way to eat for each person. And the only way you know that is if you know that. I mean, my kids are amazing. I mean, I one child loves breakfast, gets up, and he's like Mr. Breakfast, like, okay, I want the ham and the eggs and the this and the that and the toast. And the, and the other one is like he eats dry toast every day, and that's even a stretch. But he's hungry at 10. Mm-hmm. You know, and my other son is like he's good to like eleven. So what is what do we do? You know, and these are real issues. But and we try to be empowering to our children. And honestly, I have a busy life, you know. Um, but I just honor their hunger. We 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 do homeschool, so we don't have to deal with that. You know, so that's helpful. Um, but I have worked with people that do have kids in school, and they're able to eat at certain times. You know, if they need to. But it's about really honoring their hunger and their cycles and what they're hungry for and when they've had enough and all that kind of stuff. Because truthfully, not everybody wakes up hungry in the morning. There are people that are breakfast people and there are people that are not. You know, kids are no different for that. 
Um, and it's imagine if you're not a breakfast person, imagine if someone made you eat breakfast. I know. You know, and imagine if you were like a um, a breakfast person, and someone made you eat something that like was barely breakfast, right? Like or rushed, or in that, or just you got to go catch the school bus and no food. Yeah, you, know? you couldn't. You know, and it's, yeah. so it's 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 just coming out of that sense of what we should do, and allowing them to give us some feedback onto what's helpful for them. And obviously, as they get older those become easier to kind of work with, you know, like, look, if we're going to be out, you know, doing this, if you want to eat a hot thing, you should eat it now because we're going to be on the run for the next two hours, three hours. Right. You know, and, and that gets a little bit easier. But I don't go anywhere without some kind of food, something packed. And I do that for myself, by the way. I mean, I don't, I always have food for them too, but I'm, I take care of me. Mm-hmm. That's how I roll, you know. I mean, I know my cycles. I know that I'm not a huge breakfast person, but I'll probably be hungry at ten. Mm-hmm. So make sure I have something that I want to have, you know. All right. So um, that's that second, I guess, thing I want to mention here as far as beliefs is, you know, it, it, it it's along the same lines as the first one, which to allow your kids to have feelings because that is helpful. <laughs> you know, so they can learn how to assess when they're hungry, when they're not. Um, but the other thing is, um, it's important, and it's along those same lines. Is we got to deal with our own stuff. So if you have issues around food and dieting, and you have this, it's really super important that you get whatever help that you need to work with it. You know, seventy percent of communication is nonverbal. So even if you're not saying it. If you're going, oh, my thighs are too fat, or oh, I need to, mommy needs to go on another diet, or am I getting fatter? That that's getting in, you know. So um, do what you need to do to really um, get get out of that um, and help yourself. Third thing, kind of brings. I'm going to just quickly mention, but it's kind of what we talked about, which is the concept of respect. Um, and we as parents kind of come from this place, and I'm not saying all of us, but I think that we struggle with it to some extent. Like, we deserve respect, right? Or it's because I said so, that kind of stuff. Um, And this is super important. I I see this a lot in children, um, and I hear this a lot when I talk to them, that my parents don't respect me. And I always find that really interesting. I've, I've talked to a lot of kids about this. And especially with it, when it comes to eating, because they it goes deeper, right, than just our parental relationship with them. It can seep right into their own self-respect. If we want our children to respect themselves and their bodies, right, and their hunger, if we want them to be empowered, to honor themselves, and to learn how to set boundaries, which is what we all want, then we have to um, empower them to honor themselves. We have to teach them respect. And we have to do this by respecting ourselves and, more importantly, respecting them. Um, and that means when we talk about respect with our kids, it means we have to respect their ideas, their beliefs, their cycles, and allow them to think differently. It's it's uh, interesting to me because when I talk to parents, I often see parents expecting different behavior from their kids than they would exhibit themselves or their spouse or their friends, right? I, I, see, um, I see a lot of parents putting pressure on their kids to finish something, 
Like if you join soccer, then you got to finish it. Right. Or you agreed to do that, then to get good grades, right, to, to, to do whatever it is that we're asking them to do. Um, in fact, I see a lot of young people busier than adults they live with. Um, and what's ironic is I'll often talk to the parents and I'll say, hey, if you join a sport or a group or, you know, a class that you don't like, do you continue it? And they'll say, uh, no, I, I stop. You know, if I do this ceramics class and I hate it, I'm going to stop. Um, well, it's interesting to note that we often expect different behavior from our children. You know, about the food thing, it's like if we said, hey, this is when we're eating, you have to eat at that time, and if you don't, then so be it. You don't get to eat anymore. Well, I, I would say, do you do that to your spouse? You know, if you're making breakfast and they're not hungry, you don't say like, well, if you don't eat now, you're not going to be able to eat till noon, so you better eat now. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, I, so I see this a lot, and I... It's, a, it's kind of a deep topic, and this is the last thing I'm going to bring up so we can discuss it. There's more here, and we'll probably just continue the next show because it's so big. Um, but I, I really think that it's important that we allow our, our children the same respect that we allow other people, um, especially other adults. I mean, I, I really do. I, I don't. This does not mean that we're pushovers. This does not mean that we don't have consequences, you know, natural consequences and that kind of thing. But punishment isn't really effective from a um, from a behavioral, psychologically, you know, studied. Behave, punishment isn't effective. Um, you can ask anyone that studies people. Um, and shaming will always lead to rebellion every time um, or worse, you know, things. So, you know, that doesn't. Again, that does not mean that we don't have consequences. Um, and our job as parents is to really help our kids make the best choices. But to do that, we have to empower them. And to do that, we have to trust that they can. Right? So, so much of, I think, of our, our, some of our parenting involves young people kind of being conditioned to believe that they know less than we do or know that we know more about what they need. Like, we think you should eat breakfast at this time, or we think you should eat more of this or less of that. And we really don't. I mean, we really don't. Um, so I, I think that that's, that's, a huge, that's a huge point that I want to make about children with eating issues and the way um, it all kind of correlates, because eating issues and all of our issues to some extent, but that one in particular really is about being respectful of our bodies and being respectful of ourselves. And kids can't learn how to do that. Children don't learn how to do that unless we are respectful with them. You know, um, And I, I see that. I'm not perfect by, by any means, um, just as my kids. You know, but I, can, I am honest, and I know that we have you know, guidelines, and I, when I work with parents, I, I always ask them, be respectful. Everybody, that means you too, right? So if we're telling our children, you know, don't yell, don't be snotty with me, right, don't talk back to me, how often do we do that as parents? Um, you know, and if we're at, we have to be held accountable to the same standards that we ask of our children, no matter what that is, you know, we don't necessarily, and we'll talk about this um, further in when we, maybe next week, but um, it, it means we're all striving for the same standards to some extent. We're all striving to be respectful. We're all striving to be honest and supportive and not judgmental. 
um, or whatever it is that your family mission is, your family statement of that you can all get together and create. I think that's a wonderful, a wonderful thing to do. And then everyone gets to be held accountable to that standard. And when we were off track, right? If we get off track, which I often do, my children remind me, you know, of our our values and what what I'm doing. And if they feel hurt by what I've said, and I do the same, we own it. You know, we yep, I'm frustrated. I totally took that out on you. Um, I apologize for that, and I work on that. You know, I, I just really think that that level of respect goes a really, really long way. Um, and that's what I hear, you know, from the front lines when I'm working with kids, that they just want that consideration. Well, what do you got to add to that, Tracy? I know you must have something. <laughs> yeah, but you've covered. Right? I mean, it is my passion. You're right. But right. You have, you've covered um, quite a lot around that. And I was, I was sort of wanting to go back to this idea of... Um, um, what what do we mean by what do we even mean by respect? Yeah, I mean, I think that <laughs> that's a good point because it can mean, I mean different things to different people. To different people, yeah. You know and, what dictionary definition of respect means? To hold in high regard or mm-hmm. special regard. Right, right. You know? Right, right. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, we have to we have to. To show that to our children, hold ourselves in high regard, correct? Exactly. Take good care of ourselves, model yeah. appropriate, we're talking about food, you know, nutrition, et cetera, model appropriate that in front of our kids, with our kids, not hide, I say in front of, I don't mean just do it, not not hide. <laughs> that would be really <laughs> great, right? Yeah, that's not helpful. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and... And allow them to do the same. So this idea of, and I know we only have a few minutes. Do you think we can go over just a bit? I don't know, because I only have a few things to say, maybe even like ten minutes. Okay. I don't know if we um, can. No, yeah, we could switch it, yeah. We have to change the, which I can do if you want me to. But, um, oh, oh, that we have so many uh, different beliefs these days. You know, gluten free. Oh, oh, yeah. You brought up. So that. I might be, uh, yeah, bringing up a whole new can of worms. No, that's but, good. Though. That's but good. if right we there. are, if we believe that, or we know it for our own bodies, okay, mm-hmm. that wheat doesn't sit well with our bodies. Mm-hmm. We feel bloated. We feel headachey. We feel Absolutely. cranky. Yep. We can't poop. Right? <laughs> it doesn't. Yep, I said poop. Yeah, we're going there. Um. <laughs> It doesn't necessarily guarantee that Aleka has that same issue or right. my friend Jennifer or my friend Susie or Absolutely. And it does not mean that my children have that issue. It's true. And we also are in this tendency of trying to like diagnose behavior problems, etc. Oh with, boy. Uh, yeah. With I know, I'm sorry. With diet things. Okay. And it can be and it can't be. It can you know, be. It can it be, yeah. Certainly can be. And we know we we notice it as moms, you know. Oh, they ate Skittles and now they're bouncing off the walls, right? <laughs> is it the, yeah. is it the food diet? Yeah, probably. You know, whatever. We know these things. And what I do in that case is share that information. You know, the food diet could be possible. You know, what do you think? And we talk about it. Now, I'm glad I said that because it sort of shows what I mean by respect is communication. Um. Mm. I like that. I really like that. And um, yeah, allowing people to be different. Right. 
respectful thing. Right. Yeah, I'm go, allowing you that. talk for a minute. I'm going to go change the show so, okay. it'll, so it won't cut us off. <laughs> no, I, I, I agree absolutely with what Tracy is saying. And along the same line, I, I have to speak from this from my own perspective um, because I have one son that's actually very, very sensitive to um, – to dairy in particular, um, he just he just can't eat it, you know. And I we respect that as a family, but we also don't let it ruin our day, you know. I mean, we get pizza and he just gets it without cheese, and we I mean it it bums him out at times, but um, we work through it, you know. And it's something I respect, but I don't create a oh poor you either i don't want to create a story about that it's like hey your body doesn't like dairy right now you know i mean that's just how you're wired i'm i'm wired that way my other son can eat his weight and cheese and it's got he's got no problems it just is what it is and i think that as tracy brought up which is so great is that's part of respect of allowing them to find what foods work for them what foods don't work for them and that that even can change um I, I absolutely, I absolutely agree with that. Um, as far as one of the other things that she mentioned is, I don't, I, I can, I want to talk to it for just a minute, but it, it's going to kind of tie into some, just some of the tips that I have about um, children and food and some um, healthy sort of remember this kind of things that you can take from this talk tonight, um, and that is just even healthy food like. This concept of, well, we don't want them eating this. And I know, you know, in in certain circles we can be like, well, we only eat this kind of food or we don't eat that kind of food or this is healthy and this isn't. And we're, again, it, it might ask us to expand our own definitions of what's healthy and what's not healthy. You know, I mean, if we eat no sugar and we do, or we're all vegan, or what if we have a carnivore for a a, um, a child? That can be really tough. You know, I, for one, don't, like me, it's just the way I roll. I'm not. I don't necessarily do it for moral reasons, although it's there. I just find it doesn't work in my body. Uh, but my son, I'm. He is. He is that. He has a body constitution of needing meat, and so I've had to, you know, work through that in my own way, being respectful of myself, but also being respectful of his choices, and come up with a compromise that seems to work for both of us. Meaning. When my dad is here, he cooks a lot of meat for him, and we go out and get that if that's what he's needing, and I can cook certain meats and feel comfortable with it, so maybe I'll try that. Um, but it all comes back to that same level of respect. Is there anything else you wanted to add to that, Tracy? Are you back with us? I am. Okay. I am. Does that answer um, the question? Yeah, 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 exactly. But, yeah, I think that um, that's something – that is very important in regards to we have our beliefs, and as moms, we believe that we are um, correct in you know well we notice that cheese doesn't do well in our son's body, right? Because mm-hmm. we're experiencing it, whether they're puking or there's something else, yeah. or their tummy hurts, <laughs> right? <laughs> right? Um, and then we, but I, I still, for me, I would talk about it with them and not just say Absolutely. you're not allowed to have it. And yeah. why is that? Why is that? Okay, if it was, if it, they were allergic to peanuts and they were going to go to the hospital, totally different deal. Because I know that moms could argue that. Oh, well, oh, and they as well they should. I mean, that needs to be, of course, when we're talking safety, it's, it's safety, those are different right. boundaries. 
Yeah, yeah, of course. But I know that there's probably maybe people that are going to listen that think, well, if I know my son is going to have a stomach ache over cheese, I'm not going to, quote, unquote, allow him. And that's okay, too. I'm not saying that's wrong. I mean, it's it's about your level of what your family deems respectful. Exactly. Exactly. I'm not deeming anything wrong either, but I'm asking for... um, uh, if you feel that way, to look at it from all the different perspectives. And that yeah. we we want to help our children know, you know, know their own bodies, you know, right. and that's where communication comes in. I agree. Oh. And asking them, you know, is what you're saying. Giving, and pay you attention. Know, right. Feedback. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm, I, I want... Yeah. I want to share with you that this is what I've noticed and... And this is my concern, and in the sense of 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 this cheese aspect, right? We know it's not going to hurt them to the point of needing a doctor, right? <laughs> it's not that kind of safety issue. And then even check in with them. Well, how are you feeling? And what did you notice? I mean, I've I've worked with kids that have pretty severe allergies, not anaphylactic allergies. Obviously, that's another thing entirely we need to be very careful of that you know peanut allergies or soy allergies or something that causes anaphylactic we're talking life or death stuff right um however i've had people that have had you know asthmatic reactions that it's interesting um as the child sort of uh, as the child changes their belief i'll often ask them do you think you're ready to eat that how does that feel to you they're older now they're not like two or three you know they're probably maybe eight or nine ten and they'll say, I think I, I'm ready. And nine times out of ten, they don't have any reaction. It's kind of interesting how that works. I mean, I, I, so I do think that even if they are sensitive to something, allowing them to have the choice. Like, oh, I never tell my son he can't have milk. I'll, he just doesn't because he knows how bad he feels when he has it. And he's, he's eight, you know. Um, and we figured it out just a bit ago, and it's really his choice. Right. I mean, if he feels like having diarrhea, it's his choice, you know, and he's like, I don't want to go there. And I you just know? think this is what that sets us sets us up for the healthier choices as we go along. You I know? agree. I because, agree. I mean, I, I if I look back at the way that I used to eat 15 years ago in comparison to now, and then I'm, like, on the road, you know, and maybe the choices are only, like, fast foodie or quick stuff. Mm-hmm. And I eat it because I, it's almost like just that's what has to happen for time reasons, or I'm starving or whatever, right? Bad plant planning on my part, probably. Mm-hmm. Um, I just feel it. I'm like, ugh, and I can't yeah, believe I used feel. to eat like Food that, right? Definitely makes us feel a certain way, and it's great to allow our kids to have the choices to say, this is this what is, feels good. Yeah. This is what doesn't feel good, and, and then those change, just like we change. Um, right. That's what I mean. You know, when I when I used to eat like that more often, I couldn't. Yeah. I didn't even really feel it. Yeah. I didn't really feel it like I do now, and I'm like, wow, that's a big difference. But anyway, moving on. I know. Okay. Well, let me give you some <laughs> other quick tips. I just want to hit a couple of it, and we'll see where we go. If it gets too long here, we'll just cut it off. Um, but the first thing I do want to say that I feel really passionate about is don't put your kids on a diet. I said that earlier. Ever. Um, just don't. If your child has issues with food, get them help. See what the underlying issues are. Food is just a symptom of a bigger problem. So figure out what that is. Go to somebody that, you know, knows 
about something other than just putting them on a diet because that's that's like trying to you know turn off the fire alarm and hope the fire goes out. It, it's just not helpful. Um, second, let them eat what they want. There, I said it. You know, I mean, here we go. Teach them to respect their bodies and eat wisdom. Um, it's important. I, I said that the stomach was the size of a fist, and it's we have to honor their hunger. So make sure they have lots of access to healthy snacks. Um, put them in a place they can access them themselves as soon as they're able to. They're age appropriate, and then give them have some ownership and power over what how they eat. And I honestly can tell you, um, I get this a lot. Um, and I would say, in fact, let everyone eat what they want. Um, by the way, before we go on to that one, I I know it's not quote unquote traditional, but everyone is going to be different in the way that they eat. It's very rare that every single person in the family likes the exact same stuff. It's total. It's a personal thing. Food is food taste totally personal. Consistency. One of my kids is so sensitive to food's consistency. It has nothing to do with taste. It's the consistency. I and that. I have found you have a child, child like that too, yeah. Tracy. Doesn't yep. like goopy. Nothing yogurty. And some yeah. things are fine. Like one food would be fine one day, but the next day is like, oh no, not today. So I'm like, oh, it's interesting. And actually, I will honestly tell you that my my kids are incredibly, if anyone knows them, um, not picky about what they eat. Certain things they eat a certain way, but they really eat pretty much besides dairy. My one son, um, they pretty much eat the way that they want, very balanced, very, I mean, they eat everything from seaweed to, you know, whatever. We were just talking about that um, with uh, my dad when he was visiting. So we gotta we got to respect what their hunger is, what we're hungry for. I have, a, as I said, one of my sons is a total carnivore. He's always been that way. And that my other son, I'm he must have had past lives like in Japan because that's all he likes to eat. He likes sushi. He likes fruit. He likes um, vegetables. He likes rice. He likes nori. He. My other son is like, what? We just discovered miso soup. I mean, he likes noodles. He's like, that's how he eats. Um, he eats crazy stuff, stuff adults probably wouldn't eat, but that's, you know, that's what his body wants. Um, so as a parent, what do you do? Right, because now we're in like, how many meals am I making every day? Um, that's not it. I usually know that my one son likes vegetables and rice and salads, and and my other son likes meat. So it's very easy. You just have one thing that has meat, and another. I'm making rice anyway. I'm making vegetables anyway. I'll probably make a salad anyway. Eat what you want to eat. And um, I don't run a restaurant for sure, right? Um, but I do, I do some days. <laughs> do you run a restaurant? I really don't. Some days. I, I, will. I don't really mind. It just depends on, Yeah. You know. Sometimes I don't. Like, But, I mean, really, it's not that hard. I, I don't know. I And I honestly, if I'm, like, really have no time, then I'm just, like, eat what you want to eat. It's around dinner time. What do you want? You know, my there's always cereal. There's always peanut butter and jelly. There's always vegetables and rice. So what do you want? And it's... It brought up an interesting point. We talked about this earlier, and then maybe we can we can probably end it there. And that didn't go over the rest of the stuff next week but um, or next time we talk. But you know what? Really, if you let kids eat within reason, obviously, depending on their age, what they want, um, they really don't eat cookies all day. Um, they really don't, I promise. You know, I mean, I have kids that we have cookies here. We have... And they just really don't. I mean, it's bizarre. They'll go, I'll watch them. Because I grew up in such a 
food-phobic, weird, ritualized, you can only eat certain things certain times, you have to eat, this, that it was totally foreign to me, and I was kind of doing this as kind of an experiment, like I'm just going to let them eat what they want, and it's amazing to yeah. watch them. They'll go in and eat, and we have candy, we have this, we have that, and um, they'll just go in and eat, like, oh, I think I feel like lettuce. I found my son the other day eating lettuce, and then the other day he was eating um, this, like donut thing, you know, and I don't. They eat at very regular times. They, it's really amazing to me. I say that with astoundment, even though it, it, is that a word? Even though it shouldn't be. Mm-hmm. You know, what I mean, it should be like, well, of course they're eating to their natural rhythm. That's how it's supposed to be. But for me, I'm like, wow, look at that. I know. <laughs> look at them go. That's amazing. I've you know what I mean? That too. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Um. So you, that's your experience too, right, Tracy? I mean, really, if we let children to honor their hunger, they really don't eat Skittles all day. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And um, you know, there's always, I mean, the same thing like with a bag of Halloween candy. You know, maybe that first night they'll go a little crazy, but then mm-hmm. that's that. You know, and I know one. <laughs> this is not that long ago. Um, uh, my daughter wanted to make those, um, I don't know, you can use uh, Starburst wrappers and make bracelets. You fold oh, them. that's so funny. So yeah, you yeah, eat yeah. a whole bunch yeah, of Starburst? Yes, yes, on a road trip. And I think she might be done with those forever. Forever. <laughs> <laughs> and this funny. is, you know, it was just it's just the perfect example, you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll, we'll, I think that we should go further into this because I think there's so many levels and we just maybe hit the surface of it. I have more to, to discuss, more kind of tips that um, – and, and we'd maybe, maybe too, if people hear this and it's on the archive shows, the next show, if we're going to be talking about this, which, which we will, call in, ask us questions, tell us your experience, tell us your fears, tell us what you've worked through, tell us what you've – done and how you've made this work in your life tell us about your own eating issues and what um what your family was like we'd love to have you join the conversation yeah and your challenges and if if you um are like wait i don't i don't agree or this isn't going to work yeah that's no, fine too call up yep we can absolutely we can talk through it because it's not black or white or right or wrong Mm-mm. um it's it's again just about communicating and I'll just mention for the archive listeners that um the next show um holistic health hour is that what it's called yep. that's <laughs> what we're calling it, it. yeah cuz I'm going for my brain um is February 18th at 7 p.m. yep yeah 7 p.m. all right well thank you so much Shaleka and thank I'll let you, you and up. everyone yeah. can Certainly find us on Facebook, and if there's anything they wanted to discuss about the show, feel free to start the discussion there too. I'm on there, Tracy's on there. We'll get your you'll get your messages. So thanks for being my wing woman this evening. I've loved your feedback, and I hope you join me the next show too. I will, and it was nice. Thanks everybody for being here. Yes, I appreciate. It. Thanks for all the questions in the chat room tonight.
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.